Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Alana Fields, Alana is a lensed-based mixed-media artist and archivist whose work investigates and challenges representations of black queer identity and history through the lens of photography. Alana's work has been featured in exhibitions including Felix Art Fair in Los Angeles, Untitled in Miami, Mokata in Brooklyn, and Pratt Institute, to name a few. She is a Gordon Parks Foundation scholar and received her MFA in photography from Pratt Institute. Alana has given several talks, some that include Aperture Foundation, Stanford University, and Parsons New School. She currently lives and works in New York and has her first solo show at the Baxter Street Camera Club of New York, May 5th through June 9th. The title of the show is Mirages of Dreams Past. Alana's favorite quote is by Toni Morrison. I dream a dream that dreams back to me. Welcome Alana Fields and enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Alana, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So let's dive in on this beautiful summer day. Uh, So when did you discover your artistic passion? So I've always been um, passionately creative, and I've explored that in a lot of different ways. But I think a pivotal moment of that exploration for me was finding myself behind a camera and beginning to work with photography. Was there a particular artist or event in your life that created that curiosity? I grew up around a lot of photo archives and so you know photography was always something that was very familiar to me but I wasn't always thinking about taking photographs it wasn't until um, my last semester in undergrad that I took a photography class I was majoring in English that that kind of opened my world up and my relationship to photography and I started to work with it in a more serious way do you carry your camera everywhere with you I do not. I used to be, um, you know, one of those photographers, but I'm a lot more intentional now about, you know, what I'm shooting and where I'm shooting. Um, There's a lot more prep and things that, you know, are involved in that. So, no, I'm not backpacking it. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, share with us how how you find, uh, um, how you dive into the archives and find images to work with. Yeah, so I've been working this way for the past, um, I guess, three years now. I realized at a point that 
you know, coming up as a young queer person, I didn't have a lot of representation for me to look at, for me to try and find myself in. And I found myself at, you know, 28, like, huh, where is all of the representation, you know, before my time, generations before me? And I went on a hunt to find, you know, some Black queer archives online, and I wasn't able to really find anything. That started me off building my own archive and I scoured eBay to, to find these photographs and I've built my collection up to about 250 photos now. So um, that's a deep part of my work. And, and how, how has your practice changed over the years? Um, I started off really focused on self-portraits. Um, I moved into collage. I really love the language of being able to have a more narrative engagement with photographs rather than focusing on a single frame. And from that, I moved into incorporating, you know, my engagement with archives to my engagement with collage and making new images out of archival images. And so, you know, my practice has been varied in some ways, but all very much so related and, and share some common threads in it around history, Black history, Black queer history. Um, representation and also how the archive fills in those gaps that we don't have about our history. Those common threads, are, are they a reflection of, of memories? Yeah, I think, you know, conceptually, I'm always working with ideas and thoughts around duality and visibility and invisibility, highlighting and concealing in one way or another. And I think that lends to not only the com collective memory around what Black queer people experience and have experienced historically, but my own journey through um, self-becoming and, and working through my sexuality and at times in my life feeling invisible or feeling hyper-visible. So it's all, it's all connected to my memory, but also, you know, the memories of others in my community. Share with us your, your studio. How does it look? So, How does it feel? <laughs> yeah, studio is in Newburgh, New York, um, in the Hudson Valley, right on the water. I have huge, huge um, warehouse window, light into my studio, surrounded by trees. It's quiet. You know, I'm outside of the anxiety of New York City. Still live in Harlem, so I commute back and forth. But my studio has a lot of light, a lot of space. It is probably more more organized than people would expect, um, <laughs> given the materials that I work with. But there are a lot of archival images laying around, um, a lot of in-progress work, a lot of experimentations with just wax and carving into it and layering and blocking pieces that don't involve images or photographs. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a vibe. Yeah, it sounds lovely. My goodness. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm not looking. At That's not my view. So let's chat about the materials and the wax. Can you just provide us some insight on the materials you use and, and how you arrived there? Yeah, with my first um, series where I engaged with these archives as we were, I had similar windows in my Pratt studio that I have now. And I was just kind of, you know, printing small five by four um, photographs out and taping them to the window, seeing what it looks like for light to pass through them. And I started layering with tracing paper 
over top of them to create these veils. And I wasn't really sure where I was going with that, but how that work materialized was me working with like a rice paper, something that had transparency to it and dipping it over and over again in pigmented beeswax. So I start with a beeswax base and similar to how you would make an oil paint, I add in dry pigments and begin mixing. It's a heated process. It's always very fluid, but I began dipping these papers over and over again into the wax and layering over top. And I discovered that I could really shift opacity and and, in a direct way visibility over the photographs by working with this wax, as opposed to if I just painted over it with, you know, an acrylic or an oil. And that has trailed off into, you know, audacity in this new series, Mirages of Dreams Past. The wax started off as veils and something to lend towards the lack of visibility for Black queer people historically. And now the wax serves as a way to frame these images and to train our eye to look at uh, the frames within the frame, to look at different moments in the photograph. And so now it's not really about concealing, but highlighting. And so that duality is always there. I noticed you work with a lot of black and white photos that you combined with a color. What drives that color choice? I mean, when does that come into the process? Yeah, I think that memory is something that I'm impor- like working with in my work, and that's important. And I think color uh, evokes certain memories um, or certain feelings. And so with the color, with the black and white photos, I'm really thinking about how to engage the senses, how to engage memory, how to trigger certain feelings, and what does it mean to see certain colors in relationship to one another. And so in Dark Body from As We Were, you'll see blues and reds, but these fleshy browns. And there are areas that are completely opaque and then there are areas that are transparent and underneath the wax you'll find you know small whisperings of text and so it's really layered in that regard the use of color but also the relationship that we have to color and and the different emotions that it can can trigger and when you're creating do you ever think about who your audience is or how they'll conceive your work i do um I think my focus is how can I honor Black queer experience in the best way, in the most honest and vulnerable way. And so that's what I lead with. So I'm thinking about myself as a queer person. I'm thinking about my community. I'm thinking about ancestors and ancestry. But I'm also considering the fact that people are coming to this work who aren't queer. And so, you know, rather than contorting the work to, you know, those who may not understand it as deeply. I want you to come in and take the work slowly and look slowly and think deeply and come with an open heart and an open mind to, you know, possibly relearn a history that that wasn't so accurate or your understanding of it. That's what I love about artists. You guys create things that educate us and make us think. (laughs) So, you know, the titles of your work, when does that thought process enter? I think towards the end, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, once I'm close to completion for a piece, you know, whatever that means, <laughs> I start to think about what's happening in it. I start to thread together what my inspirations were. And also just the feeling that I get looking at it. The titles usually are, are an after 
an after you know process of posting rather than going into it knowing that I'm I'm framing the work around this title. And and how would you define your practice? I would define my practice as um, I describe myself as a mixed media artist. My works are not photographs, but they're also not paintings. They're in this really lush in between space where I think the painting and the engagement with the material is informing the read on the photographs and vice versa. And yeah, so I, I, I refer to it as a mixed media practice um, that is heavily interested in expanding our views of photography and our relationship to it. And how would you define black art? It's, it's, it's magic, it's nuanced, it's genius. It is all of the things and then one very central thing also like our experiences. And that is something that I think is really hard to explain. It can only be felt on a cellular level. But all Black art is, is, is different. You know, we tap into different languages, different symbolisms, different ways of, of working through our experiences. So, yeah, it's all the things. And how do you feel um, Black Lives Matter movement impacted how the art world is, is viewing and appreciating art created by anyone that's not white? I think a lot of it is is performative. I think a lot of it is unfortunately a way to kind of clean up, a way to absolve oneself of uh, refusing to see, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some people who are gen- genuinely coming to it with newness and with openness and respecting it, you know, in the way in which it deserves to be respected and revered. So I have mixed feelings about it, but I think what is grounding is us as Black artists, I feel like we really acknowledge this time as as really important in the sense of leading our own conversations mm-hmm. and, and authoring those things and not allowing anyone to uh, do that for us. Do you feel it's a trend? In a sense, but, you know, we've always been here. And so, you know, it's not like we just started making work or the work just started getting good. You know, people are just starting to notice. And you may be late to the bus, but that doesn't mean the bus wasn't coming. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are you excited about now? Um, I'm excited about making more work. I'm excited about um, getting out a bit more, you know, as safely as possible and and traveling and getting some new influences and experiences and, you know, slowly fellowshipping with people who haven't met off of line. You know, I think a lot of, you know, relationships and and collaborations have happened, you know, digitally over the past year. So I'm excited about, um, you know, being more hands-on in this next year. Exciting times. Have you always, you commented on the use of digital. Have you always incorporated digital tools into your work? I would say so. I don't think I've ever thought about it like that, but I have to a degree. There's always been some layer of digital process, whether if it you know began there, that's where it ended, which I think is an interesting conversation. I do feel like my work is best viewed in person because there are some layers that you can miss digitally, but... You know, there's in in my show that's up now. There's this 
poignant reverberation that's happening in uh, the background of the images. There's this repetition that's there that um, has occurred digitally. And with the framing of the wax, it really is kind of trippy um, in the way it focuses and, and asks your eye to refocus. Do you have an opportunity to speak with viewers often to explain your work to them? Yeah, surprisingly, um, you know, Saturdays has been a great day for people to drop by the gallery. And most weekends I'm in the area. And so I've even when I was installing the show, you know, we had the doors open and there was a family that came in and they were just so drawn to the work. And I didn't really have to explain much. You know, the woman, she said, she's just so happy that these ancestors get to be seen in this way and have space. And it was really touching for me that I didn't have to explain it. It was just felt, you know, so when I do get an opportunity to talk about the work, I love it. But um, I also realize that it's resonating on a level with some people, even without my words. What do you feel is the purpose of art? I think art helps us feel through our feelings. It helps us learn about ourselves, about each other. And it also helps us dream, dream forward and, and to create new futures. That's what I feel like the, the importance in the world is of art and also artists uh, as conduits of that. My interview with you is, is the first where I'm going to ask an artist to uh, share their favorite quote. I'm curious to know what your favorite quote is and why it's your favorite quote. So what do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a lot of favorite quotes, but I think what has been resonating with me this past year um, is a Toni Morrison quote, I dream a dream that dreams back to me. And I feel that so deeply. And by that, I mean, constructing one's reality by way of dreams is just such a beautiful thought process. And I think that is something that before I came to this quote has been something I've been trying to work through in my work. You know, even with this most recent show, Mirages of Dreams Past, I'm creating dream spaces, but I'm also thinking of dreams that I wanted to realize in real life, things that would dream back to me, that reverberation there, the the creating and the the longing for, and and those things kind of colliding into one. And yeah, I love that quote. I think that it will keep you young when you say it to yourself because it keeps you in this, this, this creating space, this making space. Yeah. Dreams are magical. I love when they're good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just the good ones. <laughs> Just the good ones. Yeah. I mean, some of the bad ones have meaning. Um, they, yeah. It's information. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Right. It's the good ones that you want to linger through, through your day. Mm-hmm. This has been a wonderful talk. I really appreciate your time. So my last question today is going to be, what do you feel your role is as an artist? I feel my role as an artist is to be as vulnerable as I can be with the work and what I'm trying to work through, but to also bring truth and light. You know, I, I feel that way as an archivist as well. I'm excavating these histories. I'm bringing forth these things that, you know, were not revered, not prioritized, um, not honored. And I feel my role as an artist is, is to bring that forward in, in all of the ways and to be accountable to that process. Well, I appreciate the work you do. 
Thank you. I'm glad we had a chance to connect and I'm glad I had a chance to interview you. This has been great. And I appreciate you on all your recent accomplishments, a residency. Can you just comment real quick before we end this about what you've been doing over the last, uh, let's say, 12 months? Yes. So I started uh, February 2020 off with my residency at Lightwork in Syracuse. Um, I came back to New York City and started a fellowship at Gallery of Pharaoh in Newark, as well as a residency at Baxter Street Camera Club. So I did three residencies in 2020 in the past 12 months. <laughs> um, my first solo show has come up. Um, at Baxter Street Camera Club. I am in a group show um, this coming month at Nancy Richardson Gallery, um, a show on, on archives and collage uh, curated by Raquel Chevermont. Yeah, I'm doing a couple of group shows next year, something at the Hyde Museum. Um, I'm really excited about that piece. It's gonna be the first of a new series. So yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, that's wonderful. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.